Okay, everybody, wait for it. Here comes the sound of spring. Okay, I know, not the typical bird song you'd expect, but I think many of us can relate to the sound of Stoke, a good friend finishing up a powder run. And here I recently got to catch up with my friend Colin for a climb in the backcountry to ride some spring snow and catch up on the skin track. Our little adventure reminded us of a grand time a few years back, high above the Arctic Circle in the island nation of Svalbard, a jumping off point for expeditions to the North Pole and up there one magic night, Colin, his brother and I had a magic powder run from frigid summit, descending back under the blanket of marine cloud, carving through some of the lightest powder I could ever imagine, and the whole canvas painted pink by the midnight sun. It struck me that some of the greatest friendships are made on adventures like these, and adventures are undoubtedly the fabric of all sorts of families out there, like here at the Adventure Activist. This week, I'm excited to hear more adventure stories and spend some time with the family at Five Point Film Festival. And in honor of that, I'd like to bring you the story of one family making the world a better place with their life of adventure. from our experiences as explorers and forged by a commitment to the positive change we want to see in the world. This is the Adventure Activist Podcast. We're out there and it's, you know, 50, 60 mile an hour winds and we're skiing. And Lily's just like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> we're going to also make sure we come home alive. Out of everything that's happening in our lives, me as a dad and my lifestyle, the first thing that's important to me is you can do anything that you want. Oh, you want to climb Kilimanjaro? The instant response, yes, we're going to do it. I think I can best inspire my peers by sharing the stories, sharing photos, sharing films, and even better, taking them with me to just do any local humanitarian project and even global, so. I'm not saying, hey, everyone should have to, you don't have to do anything, but because you're breathing in the air and drinking the water, you have a responsibility to be giving back to our community and our planet, or at least trying to make the most healthy choices possible. Welcome to the Adventure Activist Podcast. I'm your host, Terry O'Connor. This is a place for meaningful conversations with accomplished athletes, inspiring adventurers, and influential activists. Through their journeys, stories, and life discoveries, we deconstruct how our guests add more meaningful value to the world and do some good with their passion for adventure. Welcome to episode nine with Mike and Lily Lebecki. In a world where we can be and do anything, be kind and do good. This is the pithy, poignant, timely, and purpose-driven motto of our amazing young guest, Lily Lebecki. At just 14 years old, she has climbed a peak on every continent, 
and with every expedition, she has given back to the people and places she visits. Her mission is embodied in her own nonprofit, the Joyaneering Fund. And if it sounds like joy and adventure are in her DNA, well, look no farther than her father to understand why. Mike Lebecki has a passion to seek and explore the remote, the untouched, and unexplored corners of the earth. His specialty craft of planning and executing first descents all over the globe has led to exploring diverse ecosystems, from the polar Arctic to the South Pacific. He's seen nearly 100 countries, climbed on every continent, and has been honored as a National Geographic Explorer of the Year. In the hour ahead, we talk about their path, starting from a love of saying yes to adventure together and to their natural instincts to give back in gratitude to the places they go. In our conversation, we visit Antarctica, Nepal, Peru, Tanzania. We visit schools and orphanages, and we hear about their work, the gifts of solar power, of light, of computers, of education, and how it has all left a lasting impact on the places they've been and on their own calling in life. This is a podcast for those with an insatiable spirit for exploration, for fathers and their daughters, and really for anyone who wants to be witness to an impassioned call to action. Get ready. You're going to be inspired to do some good in this world with your passion for adventure. I hope you enjoy. Mike and Lily, thanks again so much for hosting me in your house. I really appreciate it on such short notice, especially when you guys are charging to get out of the country here tomorrow morning. Um, Lily, yeah. where are you off to? Um, tomorrow morning, we're heading off to Antarctica. And this isn't your first trip, I don't, I don't think. Is that right? No, this is my second trip there. Second trip to Antarctica. So what's what's the objective for you guys this time around? I was going to ask you a little bit more earlier, but I figured we'd just talk about it. What's coming up in the next couple of weeks? We have been invited uh, by National Geographic and Lindblad to go down and present stories on one of their on the National Geographic Explorer ship. Oh, great! Yeah. And uh, we're also broadcasting live on National Geographic and sharing stories about the Antarctic Treaty, about conservation, about ocean plastics, but really taking the metaphor of the Antarctic Treaty and kind of spreading that message around the world, like, hey, let's treat our entire planet that is our last pristine planet. You know, this is our planet. It's pristine. And just like Antarctica is sort of the last pristine continent, let's treat the planet that way, that we need to wake up and we need to take care of our planet and make healthy choices. Yeah, that's great. Lily, what are you excited about going back? Um, I'm excited to be able to take more photos. I've been getting more into photography and just to um, learn more about Antarctica and what it has to offer. You've got three people you're interviewing here today. So you've <laughs> we got, we've got our cat Winter, uh, which you'll hear meowing in the background. So a little bit of entertainment for you. Yeah, yeah, and well, Winter's welcome. Yeah. So I don't think Winter would really appreciate it if uh, yeah, she couldn't be present. <laughs> we love win we love all forms of Winter, and especially our cat Winter, which you can hear her meowing. She wants her voice to be heard as well. Right, that's great. Um, 
So this isn't your uh, your first trip, and was your first trip to Antarctica your first big trip with your dad, as far as like a expedition type trip? Yeah, and um, Antarctica was my first expedition. It was a skiing expedition. How many years back was that? Um, I was 11 years old, so about three years ago. Wow. All right. <laughs> so already your second trip in three years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're probably not necessarily looking forward to the seasickness again. Did you have any issues like that crossing? Um, we had a little bit of seasickness on the way back, but it wasn't too bad. Uh-huh. I think Lily, we when we went over the Drake Passage, we had some, I think, Beaufort Force of 12, which was pretty <laughs> some pretty big swells, and she was actually... Probably in the 1% of people doing well on the boat. Nine, I mean, everyone got really worked on that first trip, but Lily handled it really well. Yeah. I think we were delivering food to some of the people who couldn't get out of bed for those three days. So, <laughs> yeah. I think you might have got I think we both threw up once, maybe. But we, we were able to function and actually do stuff. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's part of the story, right? It's part of the adventure as well. I mean, it's one thing to know what you're getting into from what other people are telling you, but it's another thing to actually experience the adventure and to see the place for the first time. Was there something that was a lot more challenging about that trip than you expected? Was it the crossing or was it something else un unanticipated? I don't remember anything being too surprising. I didn't really have a like general idea of what we were getting into, but... Um... It was all like new stuff and like going over the Drake Passage. It was cool to kind of feel like going back and forth because the waves are moving the boat. And I guess it was a little surprising how like how forceful the winds were and like how like it, it went to 70 miles per hour. And that was pretty surprising. But since that first trip and now, obviously, there's a, a lot of giving back you've done between then and now, which I would love to get in with you, obviously, a little bit more. But was there something that happened to you on that trip, realizing what a magic and unique place it was, um, that you wanted to make sure it was there for other generations? <laughs> so I think I pictured myself going back to Antarctica more to like ski, to do some more skiing there and um, like research and photography. And uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we saw a lot of whales, we saw a lot of penguins, we got to spend a lot of time on land, and of course, you know, Lily is backcountry skiing there, you know, and she's not going just as, you know, my daughter's going as a partner. Yeah. So, you know, she has to know um, how to tie into her harness, and she can't necessarily at 11 years old at that time um, be expected to save me or pull me out of a crevasse, but to make her decisions and to communicate and be as much as a partner as possible at 11 years old is, is very key. So she went in there with full backcountry training, ski mountaineering experience. And so there's a lot of things that I probably remember more um, from that trip being so protective and thinking about safety yeah. more than anything. Because, I mean, we, it was real deal, you know, out there. And we're roped up and we're going over crevasses and, you know, there's full trust and faith. So I'm just, you know, as this is happening, I'm thinking about bringing back some of the memories that were more intense for me. But for Lily, she's just like, oh, okay, this is what's normal. This is what I'm doing. But there's consequences out there to that magic and power and beauty. Oh, absolutely. You know? And so yeah. um, I have a lot of incredible memories of safety. Of You know, when we're out there and it's, you know, 50, 60 mile an hour winds and we're skiing. And Lily's just like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. I'm thinking, okay, <laughs> we're going to also make sure we come home alive. 
because it's, you know, it's an interesting time for her to be exposed to that at such a young age. Yeah. When it actually is 100% mathematically safe. That being said, you can't make a mistake. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Was there a, a moment while you're down there, Lily, that you think you kind of got a perspective of how dangerous it, it potentially could be, even though you may have felt really comfortable there? I guess I never really um, thought of, like, the dangers. I mean, I knew that there was dangers because we had, like, ropes and harnesses and there was crevasses, but I never actually, like, imagined anything happening, so everything was just kind of mellow for me, you know? <laughs> A good first experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's just, sure. you know, imagine <clears throat> Lily's been skiing since she was two. Yeah. And, you know, as you're growing up at such a young age, I think for a lot of kids, you know, or anyone at a young age is saying, this is what's normal. You know, she's learning to ski. Yeah. She's traveling around the world. And then you get older and realize, okay, not everyone's dad is doing this or I'm not, <laughs> not every person is getting yeah. these opportunities. And so, um, it's it's interesting for me to think about her perspective at a younger age, but now, with so many countries you've been to, so many adventures, I, assuming that you're starting to realize, like, okay, this is a unique situation. Yeah, you know? and I, it's an excellent segue to what I was going to ask you. Is I'm I'm curious if there was a moment, even just in recent history, in the last couple of years, where you realized, wow, I I I have a unique dad and I have a unique lifestyle. Because it is what you grow up with. I mean, you learn to ski so young. You uh, you guys share these adventures together, and but then at some point you probably look at what your dad does year to year and like, wow, this is this is really unique, <laughs> uh, and maybe even hard to explain to some of your friends or uh, to relate because of that. And was there a time for you that you kind of realized what a special position you guys have and your experiences? Um, I don't think I remember any specific time where I just realized, like, it's not normal, but, I mean, as I grew up, um, I just kind of knew, like, no, I don't really know anyone else is doing this, and it's very mm -hmm. unique. I mean, why wouldn't you want to ski and travel and stuff? <laughs> but, um, all my friends just think it's cool, and, yeah, they always say they want to come with me, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some, someday, hopefully, you can bring them. <laughs> mm, I brought one of my friends to Nepal with me when we went on that humanitarian trip. That's so great. that was pretty cool. That's really great. I didn't know that. So what was that the, the next year that you guys went to Nepal? Was that after the Antarctica trip? Uh, we went to Kilimanjaro. And uh, so Lily had learned about Kilimanjaro in her fifth grade class and said, you know, I want to go climb Kilimanjaro. And, and then that was actually a big moment where we connected with some different people that put that trip together. So doing a guided sort of standard trip up Kilimanjaro is something completely different than the expeditions that I do. You know, mm -hmm. it's such a different focus. And so um, we found out about a couple orphanages and school and church that we could bring solar energy to, you know, working with some of my, um, I want to say sponsors, but reciprocal relationships. And so we found out, hey, we could bring solar power to some places that need it. And so that trip turned into not only an adventure, but sort of a give back program. And that Lily went on that trip, my brother, my sister, it was a kind of a family adventure. Yeah. That really opened our eyes to, hey, we could, you know, do a lot of trips where we're focusing on adventure, but how are we giving back at the same time? Yeah. And it was, it was powerful for me to see through Lily's eyes that going to a third world country and, you know, seeing places that don't have hot water or clean water or electricity or, you know, having lights at night 
can change the security situation of where you're at. I mean, there's so many different things mm. to talk about with that. But it was the Antarctica was her first real big t challenging trip. And that mm. was a big deal for me too to you know, take her into such a hostile environment in Antarctica, you know, beautiful, magical, powerful, but also you make a mistake, you're getting, shit can go down. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, we went to Africa after that. And then Nepal was after that. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get into that a little bit more, because I think it's really interesting how, you know, you create the idea to do a, a trip like that. And, and certainly, I guess, it sounds like there was a seed planted from what you were learning about in school initially as far as the kind of attraction to tanzania and in africa is that right what your dad was saying yeah <laughs> yeah can you elaborate on that a little bit more like do you remember how you learned about kilimanjaro or tanzania or well my fifth grade teacher was actually talking about um just kind of some of her past experiences and she mentioned that she went to tanzania to climb kilimanjaro and f since then i've just kind of been inspired by just like her experience there, so I wanted to do Kilimanjaro myself as well. Oh, okay. Did you guys together start to think what it might be really nice to try to do something for the community and in, in going out there, or was there another seed that was planted, like, for I mean, the well, project? Or? First and foremost, if Lily says, I want to go climb Kilimanjaro, instant response is 100% yes, we're doing it. <laughs> because any sort of passion, and especially an adventure internationally or any kind of, it's yes, we're doing it. Because first and foremost, out of everything that's happening in our lives, me as a dad and my lifestyle, the first thing that's important to me is you can do anything that you want, period, in life. And so, oh, you want to climb Kilimanjaro? The instant response, yes, we're going to do it. And you just have to plan it and go and do yeah. it. And so I didn't realize that we'd have opportunities to do humanitarian philanthropy work, but um, learning more about Kilimanjaro and the communities around there, there is a lot of need of course, for, you know, really challenging areas in that, that place that need, need better quality of life. So it just naturally formed into to finding those projects. It just organically presented itself. I guess because a lot of our listeners are kind of curious of how you identify a need or connect with um, someone who knows that there is a need to be filled. Yeah, and yeah, so, was it a friend or was yeah, so, an industry so connection? Or? I had my an acquaintance of mine at the time. I didn't really know him. So Dean Cardinal, he has um, worldwide trekking. Mm -hmm. And so we'd kind of known about each other just through this, you know, little Cottonwood Canyon community and adventures and whatnot. And um, kind of had been in touch and I said, oh, hey, you know, um, I know you have this trekking company looks like Kilimanjaro, you have to hire a trekking company and be guided up. I mean, it's pretty much the only way you can do it. And so I contact him and he goes, oh, you know, we have this great um, human outreach project that, um, you know, we help with local orphanage that he's, that he's started there in communities. And I thought, gosh, you know, is there a way that I can help? And mm -hmm. so um, I work with Goal Zero, who's a solar power company. And he's like, gosh, we really need solar energy there. Oh. And then came to find out I work with Dell Computers as well and their give back programs. He's like, we could use computers, we could use internet. And so it just kind of all started flowing that, okay, yeah. we want to do this trip to Kilimanjaro, but hey, from the world that I live in adventure-wise and the sponsors, et cetera, I can bring all of this teamwork to help the communities there as well. So it was just an organic synergy that started flowing. Yeah, And then, oh, we can bring you know, wigwam socks and we could bring 510 shoes. And, you know, I'm saying these brand names because I work with these companies as an explorer, as a climber of doing these expeditions. But now I can harness in that energy and bring it to where, hey, 
we're going here anyway. How can we give back to the communities we're adventuring with or yeah. in or through or visiting or meeting along the way? Right. So leading up to the trip, Lily, how much of your planning for Kilimanjaro was actually on the philanthropy side and bringing the computers and the solar equipment? And how much of it was thinking about the mountain and the climbing? I think before the trip, I kind of had like equal focus on both. Like Kilimanjaro was the first like real big summit that I would accomplish. So I was just kind of mentally preparing for that and just kind of researching stuff about Kilimanjaro and high altitude. Yeah, right. And then I'd also have my focus on the orphanage and I was really excited to go help all the kids there and um, just super stoked for each one of them. <laughs> That's great. Like I said with Antarctica, Antarctica, I didn't really have an image in my mind of like what was going to happen. I just kind of went into it just like kind of hoping for like a, a surprise and excitement and that's what I got and it was just such a good environment and mm -hmm. um, good energy and it was just really amazing there. It's a great, well, it's a great attitude because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. except it comes and how about the mountain itself? I mean there are so many things I think on a trip like that to be a little anxious about. I mean your first time at high altitude different culture, potential bugs that could mess up your stomach while you're there. Um, was it smoother than you expected or was it was it harder than you expected? Um, I thought Kilimanjaro was easier than I expected it to be, um, like terrain-wise and just kind of like walking up or hiking up. And um, I think the most challenging part of hiking Kilimanjaro would be just... Um, taking shorter steps as the altitude increased. Uh -huh. Did you get sick or did you handle it okay from an altitude standpoint? I think on the last day on the summit push, I think I threw up once from the high altitude and so did my uncle. So I got a little bit of altitude sickness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys recovered okay though. It's part of making the good story of the adventure though, right? Well, once you guys, <laughs> once you guys hurled, it was like, you seemed like you had more energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just had to get out where it was over there. Excise the demon, so to speak. And did the, the work in the villages that happened before or after you guys did the climb? Uh, we did the solar power work and the humanitarian work after we did the climb. Mm -hmm. And your whole family was there, too, so your uncle and everything else. Yeah. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. That's fun. You know, a lot of people go to Kilimanjaro just to climb Kilimanjaro, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's like their unitary focus. They just want to go, they're climbing, they obsess about every single day and making sure they don't get sick and they're not going to get altitude illness and they don't get a stomach bug. And what I find is um, is interesting and the, and the beauty about having diverse goals going to a place like that is you have more than one objective. And a lot of the objective is not about your summit, your gain, as much as you love that experience, and it's an awesome memory, but you have this opportunity to um, work on another goal while you're there. Um, but, you know, yeah. so as I'm listening to this, what, yeah. what's really great about that is, you know, for Lily, what we've been doing, it hasn't necessarily been that something that's abnormal. Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily common, what I'm realizing even more from this conversation is that she's being raised and doing these projects where this should be normal. Yeah. Oh, you're going on an adventure. Oh, what was the give back that you did? You know what I mean? Oh, you you went to Kilimanjaro. Hey, what did you guys do for the humanitarian work? And they're like, oh no, we just climbed Kilimanjaro. So if all of these trips 
if we can get a message that it's just normal to do something to give back on every adventure. Yeah. Okay. If you're going up skiing at Snowbird, um, you know, what are you doing to give back that day? Are you going to go get some people in West Valley that have never been skiing before and they're signing up for ski programs and you're taking them skiing or you're taking the equipment for them to ski? I know I'm getting off on a tangent. No, it's not. If every adventure we're doing, whether it's Kilimanjaro, Peru, Nepal, et cetera, what's the give back component? You know, that if that was normal, what if every single adventurer <laughs> yeah. in every single way on their adventure in some way is saying, what's the give back component? It could be a small subject or it could be a huge subject, but okay, if every adventurer, if every outdoorist, if everyone doing everything that they're doing out, outdoors, what's the give back component? And it's normal. It's not abnormal. Oh, oh, you did this cool humanitarian project in Africa or Nepal or whatever. Yeah. It's part of the equation. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's just, a, it's part of why we're talking here. I mean, yeah. it's, and you know, forever and ever I'm doing expeditions and climbing and adventuring and there's no give back component. It's a very selfish pursuit. It's a pursuit of passion. It's why ration passion. But how do we convert that into, hey, what's the give back? What's the offset? What are you doing to offset mm -hmm. the your plane ride, you know, or et, et cetera? What are you doing to drop money to the local people? You know, oh, you're taking shoes and socks there. Why aren't you buying shoes and socks from the local people? I mean, I'm learning continually. How can I give back in the best, highest absolute amazing etiquette and quality that I can do. Mm -hmm. You know, we just went and did this um, trip to Peru, you know, our family trip, and it's an, a mountain adventure, but it's also a huge humanitarian give back component. But I've also learned from that trip, it's like, oh, we took all of these shoes and socks and solar energy and computers and did all this great work, right? Our efforts and our intentions are to give back. But I've learned, hey, you know what? Maybe I should have went there and got those 500 pairs of shoes from a local shoemaker and help support their economy and their local community. Yes, our efforts were good, but every time we're doing something to give back or try to do something healthy for the planet, I'm always learning, hey, there's a better etiquette or there's, a, you know, I need to do more research to, yeah, I'm doing some great things. We're trying, Lily and I are trying to give back, but I'm also learning there are better ways to do things than not, even though our intentions are good. Next, we talk of their next upcoming adventure, how opportunities to give back present themselves if you're just paying attention, and how seeing a foreign world, a different people, and their unique and tragic struggles triggers an emotional imperative to act in their aid. people struggle on how to best help. So say, for instance, you and your dad decide you're going to go to do another expedition, maybe perhaps back to Nepal, and you want to go to a specific area. Well, we're, um, we're leaving in June for a, a trip to India. Okay. And it, it's another big give back expedition. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you, what's the process of finding out 
how you can do some good there. Is that reading, learning, talking to someone who's been there before, um, or working with another partnership, like another nonprofit who's there? Well, it's we're, we're going to do an adventure in Bhutan, and mm-hmm. a place we've always wanted to go and adventure and see the mountains and experience culture. You know, just why anyone goes on adventures yeah. and goes around the world and wants to experience this planet, whether it's people or mountains, flora, fauna, it's all in a, fa- a fascinating experience and reality and perception that we have. And that's, you know, that's my favorite thing to do. That's my favorite thing to show my daughter is this planet in every single way. Yet, you know, it's it's also an organic enthusiasm and things fall into place when you're pursuing passion and especially when you're saying to the universe, how can I give back? Well, I happened to meet um, some people in an orphanage in India and happened to find out that they're taking all of these kids from all over and they're giving them an incredible education in life, yet they don't have electricity. You know, mm-hmm. and so, oh, we can bring solar energy. Hey, do you guys want, and they're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? We would love this if you guys could come do this. And instead of saying this time, hey, you know, they're, we're seeing photos, I'm like, they have no shoes on. This is in India in, you know, higher elevation in the Himalaya where it's cold. Yeah. Oh, we can provide socks and shoes, but this time, instead of bringing them all with us from uh, companies in, in the States, we're finding out they're going to fund us to go bring socks and shoes from local communities and local makers there to support their economy. And so anyways, I'll, oh, I'll ramble cool. on on this all day, but the the idea is if we just have the notion and commitment to giving back, and in our case, on adventures, you'll find a way to give back in some way. So you just have to do the research and put in the time. And you can find ways to give back and also try to do it in the best etiquette to offset the airplane pollution too. I mean, it's not just international adventures. Because we're adventuring, we want to give back on the way. We want to create better quality of lives for people we may meet if they need it. But if everyone is doing something small, it is a mathematical certainty that the world would be a better place. I'm not saying, hey, everyone should have to, you don't have to do anything. But because you're breathing the air and drinking the water, you have a responsibility to be giving back to our community and our planet, or at least trying to make the most healthy choices possible. And going out of your way to do it and getting off the convenience chair and making excuses. I mean, again, I'm rambling on here, but this is comes from a human, but more so it comes from a father and thinking about my daughter and her kids and grandkids and all of our next generations of what's happening to our planet and how how is it possible we live this incredibly comfortable life here in Utah mm-hmm. and we go skiing and climbing and we can eat this great food, yet there are so many people around the world that have that struggle to eat or that don't have electricity at night or it, they don't even have soap. People don't even have soap to wash out a wound and that they can lose a limb from that. They can get infections from that. They can die from that. If they have a bar of soap, they could change their life. I mean, you know, you're a doctor. I mean, it's just the experiences I've seen around the world is incredibly emotional as I get older. The point is, what are we doing to uh, be the change we want and need to see? Yeah. You've heard the quote. It's out there. It's yeah. not my quote. It's like, what are we doing? And it is simple as making small choices every day in our lives for pollution, plastics, the planet, or can we even take steps further to go out of our way to do good things for people and planet and flora and fauna? And, and it's it's a powerful time. Yeah. You know? You mentioned so many examples of things that clearly you've seen in your adventures that, that have a real emotional impact. I mean, that's that's yeah. your story, right? You're creating yeah, and, your story. And excuse and me getting places. off on a, a tangent here, and you know, you're talking to Lily about her adventures, but 
you know, these are things that are sparking oh, yeah. emotion in me right now. I mean, it, you know, going on a trip to Guyana and going out into villages, this is just one of many examples. And these people have no support from the government. These are 100% hunter-gatherer, what they grow, what they find, what they, they're going to eat. I mean, small villages, they have nothing. And I go out there and I see, you know, they got someone got bit by a snake. And that, he lost his foot over that. Yeah. He could have died from it. Had he had soap, would have been fine. Could have washed out the infection because it wasn't a heavy poison. It was just needed to wash it and keep it clean. I mean, simple little things like that can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, on my next trip there, we're, of course, bringing a ton of soap and we're trying to figure out what, how we can help. And, um, you know, the next village, if they have solar energy, at, at, if they have a light at night, the next village is going to steal their chickens because mm -hmm. they actually have a light on where they can. It's security. I mean, again, I'm, I'm sort of going off here, but it's an emotional thing. No, it's I emotional think it's, thinking about our brothers and sister humans are on this planet are they don't have the quality of life that they deserve, even in the simplest terms. You know, I mean, um, I know this is off on some of your direction of what you're talking, but, you know, I do a lot of expeditions. I visit a lot of culture. I tell a lot of stories. And, you know, I'll share these stories, whether it's in a presentation or a film, and I'll hear people, oh, the beautiful culture in Kyrgyzstan is, you know, they're so happy and healthy and they're living in there. And I'm like, you know what? They are beautiful people. Don't get me wrong. And they are happy and they are healthy, but they'd love to have clean water. They would love to have antibiotics. They would love to have soap for this and they don't have it. And it it's, kills me when I go to these places. So it's, uh, it, yeah, I'm sharing these beautiful stories, but you know what? There's another story. They don't have antibiotics and they suffer. Your, your passion about the topic, I mean, it, it certainly demonstrates how meaningful these interactions and witnessing these things with your own eyes are. I mean, they're very vivid, powerful memories. I mean, yeah. not having antibiotics, losing foot, you know, yeah. um, that's not being able to clean a wound and dealing with a severe infection. And I mean, it's clearly mm -hmm. triggering an emotion yeah. in you yeah. and that's, it's not a bad thing. And I think that emotion is what triggers our motivation, right? Ultimately yeah. to go and do the things that we do. And um, I mean, I think there's also an emotion you get from knowing that you're being, uh, uh, you're contributing in a meaningful meaningful way. And I, I think that's something that we take back with us as well while you're there. Like, I mean, your trip to Africa, right? I mean, that was a very positive feeling you got to bring back. It's a nice compliment to the wonderful feeling you have standing on the summit. Like, that's a really cool thing too, right? Yeah. Um, kind of going on this, your dad has an amazing life of experience and so rich, but I, I'm sure a little bit what he's saying is, is resonating with you too in regards to some of these experiences you've had and whether it be in Africa or when you were in Peru or perhaps in Nepal, can you think of a moment where you felt like really sad for the person or you, you had, you kind of developed a like, sense of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they are, they're having to deal with this right now. Um, there's definitely been times um, in all of Nepal, Peru and Africa where I've seen just um, like muddy, dirty homes and no food and just not the kind of quality that we have here and um, they had to deal with like uh, just it looked like they had rough experiences and I felt bad for that person and want to help them so
Following from this spirit of wanting to help, Billy and Mike share how they felt and saw the impact of some of their solar projects. And Mike expands how each giving experience is an opportunity to refine, to learn how to do it better the next time around. have been doing uh this the solar projects and i'm sure you've learned so much about that that technology was was there something that really surprised you though about the impact of having light at night for a community uh whether it be in in peru or africa you remember anything that happened like once the lights first went on <laughs> on one of these trips um i definitely noticed that um providing light really made a huge impact, especially in Africa and Nepal and, and even Peru. But some of the more memorable moments were like at the dental clinic in Nepal when I realized that it would be pretty hard to do dental work without light. And um, when like we saw the lights turned on, it was like a overwhelming feeling of joy. Like they're gonna have good like a good dental clinic now and um, in Africa when when we first got there and the lights weren't installed yet there was like outside a little a, like a tiny light that they had to huddle all of their tables around for dinner and then when we um, provided more light they were able to just kind of sit wherever they wanted to and eat freely so yeah that's cool. Well, the, the solar energy, it's not just lights. And, and I think when I mentioned this earlier, but when mm -hmm. you asked that question to Lily, you know, the fact that having light at night means security. It could mean someone not breaking in, not a violent act, not stealing their cows or chickens. And this is, you know, in a lot of third world places, but also that we've experienced that just simply having a solar um, solar energy and they can keep a light on all night around their village or around their home or around their the orphanage. That is completely, well, literally, metaphorically, however you want to say it, black to white. You know, you have light at night, they're not going to have their chicken stolen. You know, I mean, that just thinking about that kind of stuff is huge. And we're helping, our, our intentions are to help and finding out that, oh, okay, we didn't just provide a light for them in their kitchen or their, their school or their orphanage, but we also helped with security. And it's, it's a humbling experience to think, gosh, you know, just that little thing is happening. Like, we just provided security for them. And uh, we're hoping that that's authentic. What we want to do is not sit here and talk about, oh, we're humanitarians. We're doing so good. We're hoping that we're impacting people. We're hoping that this is actually making a difference because really it's like, hey, let's get all these companies, let's get all the support, let's get all this money, let's go do this big trip, let's install this solar energy, let's bring in the computers for the computer lab. It all sounds so great, right? But I'm really hoping it makes a difference. I'm really hoping that somebody's quality of life is better because of these efforts. And we're not just, hey, let's share the stories and the photos and the video. Are they really impacted? Did we really make a difference? And that's what the focus is. So how do you answer that question? Well, we answer it by sustainability, by staying in touch with the villages, by um, communicating with them via, you know, the beauty of Facebook, where you can communicate with your friends there. And you can get on internet and they can say, yeah, 
gosh, all the computers are great. We've got the kids working on these computers, they're creating stories, they're printing them off, they're showing their families, they know how to type. It takes them into high school, to college, they can actually have a business, they can think about the future now. And these computers are making a huge impact, not only in computer skills, but they can go online. We have the internet, we can go, these kids can go watch a Disney movie on their new computer that we, why should we get to watch all the entertainment? Mm -hmm. They can go watch uh, Planet Earth on, on BBC and learn about polar bears or penguins or whatever. It's a huge world of education. So we're providing these computers, right, to these places, but we're also, they can operate the computers from the solar energy. So it's not just light, these computers are now on. The internet is now ran because they have the solar energy to run them. So there's, I mean, it's a bigger spectrum, but it's important for me to say that, yeah, great, you know, we've got the support, we've got the companies, we got the teamwork. We're saying we're doing all this work, but we really are. We're really trying to find a way to impact. Like I said, I learned a huge thing uh, when we did this a much bigger project in Peru, and we literally brought thousands of socks and shoes because our intention is they're gonna get these great quality product. But I learned that, hey, you know what, next time, go into the local villages and local cities there, get the shoes and socks from them and support the community and drop the money there. Again, our intentions were good, right? And so yeah, it's a beautiful thing to learn. How can we do good? It's really it's really the, the intention. But one of the places we put in a bunch of solar energy was at the Caracola Hospital. And they have a very unreliable electricity from diesel power there. So now with all the systems we installed, they have 24 seven reliable electricity. If they've got someone in delivering a baby at three in the morning, and they haven't had electricity for two weeks, they've got lights and electricity because of what we installed, 100% reliable. And knowing these little facts yeah. for that baby being born right now in the middle of the night because they've got lights and electricity where they didn't have it for two weeks, that makes me happy. And we've already have stories from that, that it's making a difference. And if you're impacting, it doesn't matter how many you're impacting. If you're impacting humans for a better quality of life, that's it's a bigger gift than everything we've done just to know that that's happening yeah i think you know? it's, it's great that you're able to get you know and establish these lines of communication too you're bringing them away to communicate and at the same time it allows an avenue for you to get feedback on your projects from time to time well and, and that's another thing that's really important hey great uh we've got these westerners these white guys and women coming in and we're gonna you know drop all this money and do all this good Yes, it's it's our effort. We're really that's us. That's what we're trying to do. But when you add in, is it sustainable? Is it consistent? Because it's not just you go in there and do it and you feel good about yourself. It's a forever thing, and that's a huge uh, respect to the team that has done this. So Dean Cardinal and Human Outreach Project, mm -hmm. um, the companies that support and pay for this, the um, you know creating the stories and sharing with other people so they can help support. We can bring in a bigger picture here to make sure it is sustainable because it's costly, and I mean it's a it's an incredible equation, and the final product will never be met because the final product is it's got to continue on. You know you. <sighs> You can't just go in and just, hey, this is for us to feel good about ourselves. We really want people to be impacted. You know, we want them to, we want to know that we made a difference, you know, mm -hmm. because for some reason we were born into the reality that we're sitting here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and we have a very comfortable life here in the United States of America. 
Okay, but there's not a lot of people that have that. We're just fortunate. Yeah. You know, we've worked really hard for our life. We have no trust fund. We have no family money. We work our asses off to create this lifestyle. But we work with an incredible team of hundreds, if not thousands of people that allow this lifestyle to happen yeah. or allow us to be able to give back. And I think it's important to note the teamwork that's here. And Lily is, you know, it's like I'm her dad saying, this is what we're going to do. And she's thinking, oh, dad, when are we going to do another give back program? What are we going to do to give back locally? You know, we found out that um, homeless women here need feminine products. Yeah. Okay, well, we have some funding opportunities to go buy $1,000 of feminine products for homeless women and just go deliver them right out of our car. You know, or uh, working with the companies I work with. We got a thousand sleeping pads from Thermarest. And we're going down to, in, you know, Liberty Park, where some of the homeless are, we're giving out sleeping pads, which I'm finding out they're like, hey, this is perfect for the rain, man. You know, <laughs> yeah. like they're stoked. Not only can they sleep on it, they got a new shelter. The whole point is, how, how can we give back? What can we do to be part of the teamwork? I want to be that person who's an advocate for our planet and people. And I'm striving to learn more of how I can do that. I'm striving to understand how I can be better at that. And I want to learn more about that. And I want to be around people and community that also want to focus on that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's, it's a balance. And, um, you know, saying that, it's, it's quite intense to even say that. You know, and I, I want to be a man of my word. I want to show my daughter that your word is your contract, that... You say something, you do it. And I, I want to give back. I want to make the world a better place. Yeah. That's you know, and, and, it, and I want someone to listen to this and say, whatever, Lebecky, like, why aren't you doing this and this? Tell me, how can I be a better person? <laughs> I want people, I want yeah. to come together with all different people and talk about it and say, shit, you're right. Okay. I, you know, just like that example, yeah. I'll say, I shouldn't I, bring socks. We'll buy some there. Exactly. It's like, yeah. I want to learn. I want to, my daughter to know that we're never going to stop learning. We yeah. can always be better. We can always do more. Yeah. And I want to be called out on this conversation right now that, oh, you say this and this, well, why didn't you do that? Well, tell me so I can do better next time. Yeah. Tell me so I can understand that, um, I can invite you, Terry, on the next trip that we can bring antibiotics and give them checkups. Yeah. Or, you know, what, what can I do? How can I learn more? Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to just be that, bring out that transparency and get other people to think about it. How can we work together? What can you do? And if, you're, if someone's listening to this, what did you do last weekend to give back? What are you going to do next week? What are you going to do next month? What are you going to do next year? What can we all do for an effort? And then if you times that, you know, by the millions of... Uh, about all the energy, we can make the world a better place. And mm -hmm. we've got we've got to think about that right now, especially with our just insane president and pol politics and the things going. I mean, it's if we all could just make an effort, you know, we have a specialized op opportunity to go on expeditions and travel and do things in other countries when we're on our climbing expeditions. And we're trying to offset and give back. But what what can we all do every day or, or to, to just make healthy choices and, and make sure we're taking care of our planet in some way, in some way. Yeah. I mean, even if you're a, a you know, I have friends that are a couple friends in LA who their world is gaming, you know, but they still breathe the air. They still drink the water. They still live on this planet. We have a responsibility to make healthy choices for the planet. You yeah. know, they don't have to do what we're doing, but there are healthy choices you can make. If all you have to do, if all your option is to donate money to organizations, 
then fucking do it. You know, if that's your choice, if that's all that you can do, then do it. Because these places, these organizations are people going out and doing these things. Yeah. You know, so I'm trying, I'm trying to like, you know, rip open my chest here and reveal that I'm just a human wanting to learn. And my intentions and my energy is I want to make the world a better place. And I want my daughter to be part of that. And I want to show her by example that, you know, she's going to show that to her kids, her friends and family are going to show it to the next generations yeah. to come. They could change this world and really bring it back. Do you know there's um, eight about it's estimated and this is going off on the planet. There's an estimate. And I just learned this from people I work with at Adventure Scientists. There's about eight million tons of plastic that go into our oceans every year. That statement is unbelievable to me. Like, what is happening here? You know, and so I know you came to talk about some of our adventures and giving back and some of the projects, but it's such a bigger topic for me that is freaking me out. No, it's, it's, just, the, it's the principle I want to you know, talk about. Well, people, I just, people yeah, can it's just go and see your movies and see I just, what you guys have done. Yeah, I mean, principle. just, I'm just learning. And, you know, obviously it's incredible with, we can take advantage and have optimism with our internet age to be educated, yeah. to learn more. And right. it's just, it's mind boggling what's yeah. happening. It, but it's an opportunity for us to wake up and yeah. come together and, you know, honestly learn from places in Scandinavia and Iceland and that are actually as a country making it law that we're going to make good choices for our planet. I mean, it's, it's absolutely just mind boggling. I know I'm all over the place right now, but yeah. Wow, there's a lot of information that we can take in, and we can set some rules within our families, within our friends. So, like, hey, we're going to make good choices. Leading by you example, know? yeah, absolutely, you know? and actions more than words, like you said. I mean, your own words yourself. I mean, being honest with your word by following up with the truth. Well, action. that's the thing. I've got a lot of words right now, but I, we're, you know, your word is. What's more powerful than your word? You yeah. Know? What's more powerful than human emotion? You know, what's more powerful than um, memory? You know, making sure we get people to wake up and think about and remember these experiences. Yeah, create that emotion and make a change. You know, or, or make just make healthy choices you know, mm -hmm. for the planet. with Lily's motto and purpose, her wishes for her friends and her peers, and Mike encourages us to explore, but reminds us to live a life of integrity, which includes time for giving back.
has, is so passionate about this topic, and I think there's been so many uh, such positive impact and positive feedback from these experiences. And we talked a little bit about you know being accountable for the change you're making. I mean, have you had an opportunity to communicate with any of the people directly affected, like after you after you came back home uh, yourself, either like a Facebook message or an email or a letter or anything like that? Um, I haven't gotten any, um, I haven't communicated with any of the people that we've affected, but I've definitely gotten messages from people who have heard our stories or um, are interested in coming on trips with us and helping out as well. That's really good. Do you think that's, I mean, do you think that's a special thing? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely. definitely do. I mean, I think, um, I mean, do you even have friends like at school coming up to you and find out like, how do you do that thing? Or, or can I ever go with you sometime to, to do a trip like this? I mean, do you find that, that people are starting to come to you and ask questions of you, just like I'm asking questions of you and your dad? Um, yeah, I, I've had a lot of people at school ask about because um, just kind of things that they can join in to help out and they've asked to come on trips to do some of the humanitarian work with us so I've definitely gotten lots of feedback on that mm -hmm. and these films you're making you know it, it, the catalog of what you're doing um, you know it's it's evergreen it's something that people can always come back to and look at and and see from the example you're leading and I think it it, it means a lot to know that this is someone's normal like this is a this is like a normal thing like okay i can go and see the world i can see this amazing thing i can have this awesome adventure experience but there's also a need that i can fill while i'm there and to be able to go tomorrow on this trip to antarctica and be a, in a forum in which you're going to share about some of these issues i mean your dad just talked about the plastics issue in the oceans and it sounds like part of the educational component on that trip is talking about um, plastics was that right, Mike? And oh yeah, pollution. yeah. Talking about ocean plastics and, but really, I think I fumbled the words earlier. It was it's more of um, on this particular trip using Antarctica as an example yeah. that you know there's an Antarctic treaty that protects Antarctica. Where's the Earth Treaty? Earth Treaty. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. I drive a car that takes oil, gasoline. I I get all of it. Yeah. There's we use copper in our phones. We I, I understand the haters and the debate all too well. But if in today's day and age, and where humans consider that our intelligence, and I have my fingers in the air saying intelligence, because that's a questionable thing, where we're at in our circumstances right now, we still can make healthy choices, we can still put the best efforts into all the healthy choices. And I think that's important to to know. I mean, it's a huge deal. And again, you ask me a question, I start going off on something else, but it's because it's important to think yeah, about, it is. you know, and, why but why is there an Antarctic treaty? Why isn't there an earth treaty? You know what I mean? It's freaking me out. Why not? Yeah. Why, you know, why isn't there, I, I mean, obviously it's because there's some, you know, I think Tolkien, I'm going to quote Tolkien here, not exactly, but Tolkien <laughs> saying, and above all men desire power mm -hmm. and it's freaking me out, man, because mm -hmm. there's, you know, Dolphins decided, okay, we're going to stay right where we're at and we're not going to evolve anymore and we're going to have the best life ever and they're intelligent beings, right? And they just live in the ocean and they have fun and they enjoy life and they have this, they're like a perfect being almost, you know, anyways, going off on it. But, but uh, humans, man, humans are making some choices that are freaking me out. I think, uh, I think we need to make some serious changes here. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. And so, I mean, what's what's the answer to that? I mean, create an, a different example. A different well, lifestyle? I think uh, I think it's you know we can we can answer that question in a very complicated form and get lots of people and continue debating and coming up with hundreds of ideas or not or maybe thousands of answers. But well, what's your answer? Well, what's that's answer? and that's what I mean is that um, what I'm getting to is the fact that I think putting into simpler simple and no simpler is a very important thing to do in every aspect of life. So, okay, we've got all this stuff going on, but let's simplify here. And, you know, honestly, what comes to mind is I think Lily has nailed it. She has a, she came up with a quote a year or two ago that nails it. Tell us your quote. In a world where you can be and do anything, be kind and do good. Awesome. What, how else does that not simplify it right there? Yeah. And the fact that, you know, I'm a very proud dad. And when I'm hearing a quote coming from my daughter, of that right there, it's like, oh, in a world where we can be and do anything, because quite simply, we talked about it. We're all of us sitting in this room We're right fortunate now. Enough to we can do whatever we want. Yeah, absolutely. There is no question. We can, we have a pretty damn good life. But so in a world where we can be and do anything, be kind and do good. What that means to me and stems to is go look up what integrity means by the actual definition in the dictionary, okay? And if we apply our daily lives with integrity, our relationships, the way that uh, we're treating our animals, the way that we're treating our planet, look at the word integrity. And if we apply integrity to everything we're doing, it's going to be a good, good world, you know? Mm -hmm. what, what do you hope for your friends and, or your peers and to, what do you want for them in the next decade or two in, in that goal and in your, your motto for life? Um, I think I can best inspire my peers by um, sharing the stories, sharing photos, sharing films, and um, even better, taking them with me to just do any like local humanitarian project and even global. So, yeah. That's awesome. In a world where we can be and do anything, be kind and do good. Boom, we can nail that. You know, and I'm not saying, hey, don't go climbing, don't go skiing, don't go pursue passions. That is an incredible thing that. I believe in more than anything. We need to be in nature. We need to yeah. be experiencing our planet. There's nothing like going skiing with your friends and family or going climbing or hiking or whatever it is you do in the outdoors in nature. There is, that's some of the most beautiful things. My point is we have enough time to give back at, as well. And that should be part of the equation. And I think amongst our community of peers and the people that enjoy the lifestyle we, we have of adventuring and being in the mountains and we have this common language of how passionate we are about that. And I think it's really powerful with both of you knowing that you combine that passion for the adventure, but with this passion for the projects in which you're giving back and how that is in some ways so much more powerful to you as part of that experience. I mean, that you are role models in that way. And I think for you, Lily, I think it's really important. I want to encourage you with your, your peers is just to share your feelings, like how it makes you feel to do these things. Because in my position as a, as a physician, as a scientist, and knowing the data and all the numbers, when it comes down to really influencing people to do things that I think are in their best interest, I share with them feelings and emotions, like what your dad's sharing with me. He's super passionate and emotional about these topics. And that's what convinces people. It makes them think, wow, I want to have that passion in my life. Or, wow, I want to have that sense of satisfaction and feeling and purpose from doing that trip. And, and people want that. They want examples and they want role models. And I, I, 
I just commend you both for, for doing this and being a role model for everybody else. And um, speaking of new normal, normal for you guys is it's a pack for your next expedition. Yeah, so yeah. yeah well, I, I mean, you, you saw when you walked in, <laughs> bags and equipment and stuff everywhere. And so, yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's time to get packed. We leave yeah, Ant well, Antarctica and I think, about 12 hours. Yeah, that's why I'm going <laughs> to let you guys get, get on to that. New well, thanks for, for hanging out with us yeah. and, uh, you know, really... I hope uh, I hope whoever listens to this just knows that we're just humans trying. Yeah. team. Well, once again, I'd like to thank the Lebecki crew for hosting me at their home on short notice before they set sail to Antarctica. To learn more about this amazing pair, check out Lily's site at joyfun.org and consider supporting some of our upcoming projects. To learn more about Mike, check out mikelebecki.com. I'll put up some links to both in the show notes. I'm in Carbondale for the Five Point Film Fest right now, and we'll be posting an interview from here soon. But if you're in town and liking what you're hearing, please track me down and say hey. I'd love to meet you. And thanks again to Evan Phillips for helping with the production of this episode. We connected through his amazing podcast, The Fern Line. Please check out the podcast and stay tuned for the next season coming up soon, Episode 1 with Conrad Anker. Thanks for listening to Episode 9. We hope you've been with us from the beginning, but if not, check out the other episodes on our site on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. If this or prior episodes sparked conversation or inspired you on your next adventure project, please let us know. If you have just a few spare minutes, give us a good review, click some stars our way, or even better, share with some of your friends. Your show of support, as always, means so much. Thanks all, and keep adventuring. And when you do get out, get out for good. When I was going nowhere and I Hit it back to that place Every day People stay together They find their way through the hard times You can't follow me Cause I ain't gonna stay here I keep changing right
every day people stay together they find their way through the hard times you can't follow 